While interest was at its highest during the period of the Middle Ages and has somewhat decreased since then, there has always been a fascination with what is known as the Holy Grail, the cup that Jesus used at the Last Supper. According to some, the Holy Grail was also used to capture the blood that poured from Jesus' open side as he hung upon the cross, and also that Joseph of Arimathea somehow came to possess the Holy Grail. However, the definitive location of the cup used by Jesus at the Last Supper was lost to time and history. The medieval focus and fascination on the Holy Grail was rooted in a belief that it had unusual powers, such as the ability to cure disease or regenerate life. These powers inspired what has become known as the legendary, the legendary quest to find the Holy Grail. Crusades were supposedly undertaken to find this holy cup, as well as long pilgrimages to places that claimed to be in possession of it. In addition to crusades to find it, or pilgrimages to gaze upon it, the quest for the Holy Grail also captured the fascination of poets, playwrights, musicians, who in prose or in plays or in songs either praised these efforts regarding the Holy Grail or dismissed them in satire. Now at this point, let me clearly state that I do not mean to dismiss any noble or any pious attempt to find the Holy Grail. And I certainly do not mean to ridicule any location in our world where one might be drawn into deeper prayer in the presence of a cup thought to have been used by Jesus at the Last Supper. I have no such intention. I will say, however, that it strikes me that while there has been great focus on the miraculous benefits that the Holy Grail could supposedly provide to those who would find it, there has been seemingly, in my opinion, little or not enough emphasis placed on what the Holy Grail challenges us to live. As we recall Jesus' words over the cup of blessing, at the Last Supper. Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Brett and Patrick. The reason I have referenced the Holy Grail at this Mass, where you will be ordained as deacons, is because, as you and all deacons are probably aware, in the Eucharistic celebration, deacons in a particular way are focused on the chalice. One might say, so to speak, that they are focused on the quote-unquote successors to the Holy Grail.
Now, among the many ways you will minister liturgically as deacons are that you will prepare the chalice during the preparation of gifts. As deacons, you will lift the chalice at the doxology. And as deacons, you will most appropriately during communion serve as ordinary ministers of the chalice of the precious blood of Christ. Patrick and Brett, I want to invite you as you enter ordained ministry as deacons to undertake a spiritual quest, concentrating on the Holy Grail through the attention that you will give to the chalice as a deacon at Mass. In this spiritual quest, I invite and I challenge you to strive to be certain that your attention to the chalice at Mass will manifest itself in your life of service as a deacon and in your future as a priest. I want to use three actions appropriate to the deacon during the liturgy of the Eucharist at Mass to serve as a guide for what I am inviting you to undertake as deacons. During the preparation of the gifts at Mass, deacons prepare the chalice by pouring the wine into the chalice and then placing a small amount of water into the wine that will be consecrated by the priest into the blood of Christ. The water is added to the wine with the prayer silently prayed, which states, through the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Now, along with the wine, a small amount of water will become the blood of Christ. And this prayer reveals our hope that we too may come to share in the divinity of Christ. In his passion, death, and resurrection, Jesus Christ, the wine, has changed us, the water, allowing us to share in his divinity and thereby becoming adopted sons and daughters of the Father. Jesus has transformed and renewed humanity into all that God has called us to be and has gained for us all that God has promised us as his sons and daughters. Patrick and Brett, in the rite of ordination, you are ordained, transformed into deacons for the Lord. At the very heart of your ministry as deacons must be this call, as witnessed in your words and service, to invite and to assist others to be transformed, to become what they are called to be in Christ Jesus. As you prepare the wine and the water to be transformed by the priest into the blood of Christ at Mass, so may you desire to prepare God's holy people to be transformed by an encounter with the living God through your ministry as deacons. In our Gospel reading, at the Last Supper, Jesus transforms his relationship with the apostles, stating, I no longer call you servants, but friends. 
rooting itself in this love command of Jesus in our gospel, I pray that your humble service as a deacon will bring about deeper friendship with the Lord and his church on the part of those whom you will serve. Just as you prepare the wine and the water in the chalice for Mass, become the blood of Christ, I pray that in your ministry as a deacon, you will prepare and assist the faithful in being transformed into all that Jesus desires that they become. During the doxology, the deacon assists the priest or bishop by raising the chalice with the body, with the blood of Christ, along with the consecrated bread, the body of Christ. These are lifted up and they are offered to the Father. Though the deacon is silent at this time, the priest or bishop declares through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Brett and Patrick, your ministry as a deacon must reflect this action on your part that you engage in at the altar by a constant effort on your part to lift up the people of God to the love of God the Father. Lift up the people of God in prayer and in deed. Pope Francis has wonderfully reminded us in so many ways that as priests, deacons, and bishops, our primary responsibility is to heal broken hearts and tend to wounded spirits. In other words, to lift up the people of God and not beat them down. Pope Francis has indicated that the church is to be a field hospital for spiritual hurts and the daily struggles of life. While we must always in homilies and in other ways call people to rise above sinful inclinations and selfishness, we must do so as those who are supporting them and lifting them up, not judging and scolding them for faults and failures. While deacons are not able to encounter people in the sacrament of reconciliation, deacons can assist others by helping them to overcome some of the crosses and other challenges that people face in life. Brett and Patrick, when you are called upon to deal with those whose lives are broken or painful or messy or filled with drama and confusing, always err on the side of mercy. I say it again, err on the side of mercy. Don't just tell them to turn to the Lord, but in appropriate ways assist them and lift them up to an encounter with God. In this manner, you will reflect in your life 
the liturgical ministry of a deacon who lifts the chalice containing the blood of Christ to the love of God the Father. At the time of communion, when the Eucharist is offered under both species, the deacon is most appropriately a minister of the blood of Christ. This is precisely because, as mentioned, the deacon during the celebration of Mass gives special focus to the chalice. Now, I do not mean to accuse anyone of anything. And there may be circumstances involved of which I am not aware. But sometimes I perceive on the part of deacons a desire not to distribute the cup, but rather to stand in what they perhaps perceive to be the more important role of distributing the body of Christ. This incorrectly draws an unfortunate distinction between the two Eucharistic species of the body and blood of Christ offered, as if one conveys the real Eucharistic presence of Christ more than the other. Patrick and Brett, during communion as deacons, you will most appropriately offer the chalice, the blood of Christ, and yet the whole and complete Christ to the people of God to nourish them unto everlasting life as you offer the real presence of Christ to others. I pray that you will always be humbly seeking to welcome the presence of Jesus Christ into your own life. Brett and Patrick, as you are ordained deacons, I rejoice with our local church and I thank God for each one of you. I thank your kind and generous parents who gave you life, who love you, who pray with you and have prayed for you, and who have so wonderfully and completely supported your discernment of a vocation to priesthood, assisting you in responding to this call to ordination. I also thank your siblings, grandparents, aunts and uncles, your cousins, other family members, friends, and church parish communities who have also practically and prayerfully supported you. In conclusion, Patrick and Brett, after challenging you to always make your life as a deacon a reflection of your spiritual quest for the Holy Grail, on your attention given to the chalice at Mass, I want to end these thoughts with the words found in Psalm 116, which I hope will always resonate in your hearts and be witnessed in your actions. Psalm 116 states, How can I repay the Lord for all the great good done for me? I will raise the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Amen.